You're listening to Summer in the Psalms, a podcast hosted through Coramdale College, the college-age ministry of Coramdale Bible Church in Davenport, Iowa. This podcast is meant to be supplemental to our weekly Bible studies, as well as our community hangouts happening throughout the summer. So if you want any information on that, or you'd like to get involved, feel free to head on over to our website, coramdalebible.church slash college. There, you'll find all the details for our summer events and Bible studies, as well as a way to get connected. We hope to see you in person soon. But for now, let's dive into what the Lord has for us in the Psalms. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Summer in the Psalms. I'm your co-host, Cody Rogers. And I'm Regan Erickson. And today we are joined with the ever most famous, most awesomest, <laughs> most... Today we're joined with Calvin Hansen. Say hi, Calvin. How's it going? Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know how to live up to that now. <laughs> this will be a little bit awkward because we're not used to having three people in the studio with us, but we're going to keep on, one, getting used to it, two, having more people as as we go. Um and Calvin's joining us today uh, because we are in episode four, correct? I think so. Yes, yeah. we're in episode four. Psalm 29 uh, is what you'll be going over this week as you listen to this. Uh, but really, the reason he's here is because Regent asked him to be here. I and did. and Regent's actually just taking over this podcast. I don't really know what we're doing besides worship. So Regent, go ahead, take over and, and let us know how today's going. Yeah, this one's kind of fun because I'm going to kind of sit over here and just talk to them. One of the reasons we brought Calvin on is we're talking about worship and both him and Cody have a lot of experience with worship. And I just want a chance to pick their brains and see what their thoughts are on worship and then tie that with the Psalms where we can. Um, and so a quick note I want to throw out there is Psalm 29 is actually the Psalm I chose. Um, I really love Psalm 29. It had a really big impact in my life. I was convicted of my prayer life, actually. And it was a very I, me, myself type of prayer life for a while there. And this was one of those Psalms that really helped me think about reshaping the way I wanted to speak to the Lord and acknowledge uh, some of the things about Him that I was not acknowledging before. But this is, we're going to talk about worship and really starting to springboard off of the first two verses that we see in Psalm 29. It says that it starts off in both of those verses saying, ascribe to the Lord and um, just kind of talk about that, talk about worship and what that means. So I guess the first thing, let's just define it. What is worship? So worship um, in, in if we're going with the English language, we'll just start there first. When we say worship, we mean something that we ascribe worth to. You see the word ascribe there in Psalm 29, meanings to give over to or to give it attention or um, assign an attribute towards. So if we say that we are ascribing worth, we are giving over or assigning worth to whatever that is. Um, so that, like, easiest way to put it is worship is something that we are saying is worth it. Like that would be the most basic I can get. You got anything to add to that, Calvin? No, I don't think so. I think that pretty much covers it. Yeah, it's just ascribing and giving worth to something that you find valuable. And in this context, David is uh, ascribing to the Lord um, and just in worshiping him in that way. So, yeah. And then worship in a broader sense is 
what the reason I say in a broader sense is because when we see the word worship or scribe in scripture, it's actually a lot of different words that we translate to the same word. A lot of you probably know um, that like the word love, when we say love, it has a lot of different meanings. In English, I can love pizza and love my wife, yet those are not the same type of love. Same thing for worship. Um, there's different words for worship in the Hebrew and the Greek, but we translate them all into one Word. So worship can actually mean a whole bunch of uh, different things. Calvin, do you have any examples of like some of the types of worship that are translated um, or like what some of the Hebrew or Greek words are? Oh, goodness. Um, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Like what do they describe for us in, in English? So like obviously not... I'm not asking you to say what the Hebrew word oh, is. I was like, I don't, I don't know Hebrew. It's a good no. one. Yeah, so not not the Hebrew word, but what what would what action is it telling us to do? What kind of words get translated into worship? Oh, trust? I see what you're saying. Yeah, I think a lot of that is um, can be shown like throughout Scripture of maybe like bowing down, or um, we'll see lifting up of hands or clapping. Like all those um, kind of are in that same like category. I would say. Yeah, and the one that we see the most often in Psalms is singing. Mm. That's that's for sure what we're most used to here in America too. Yeah. When we say worship, we typically mean singing. Makes sense. So psalms are, you know, they're collected together as songs. They're intended to be sung as hymns. And so, I guess, is there anything that that means to you when you're thinking about singing with worship, or singing as worship? Might be a better way to ask it. Any anything that can you say that again? Like, what does it mean to you when, like, someone to ask you, how do I worship while singing? Oh, yeah. Or how would you respond to that? Yeah. Um, how do I worship while singing? The first thing would, that's the easiest to do for many of our people is make sure you're singing the right thing. Uh, make sure you're singing truth. Make sure you're, you're singing things that are accurate about who the Lord is is and the reason i say that's easy is because that's what mine and calvin's jobs are is to ensure that what people are singing is accurate um, and and hold it to scripture so step one just make sure what you're going to sing is true before anything else happens because that that's what um is going to be the the first step in worship i think of it uh there's an illustration um in worship matters by bob Is it Bob Coughlin, Calvin, that wrote Worship Matters? Yeah. Yeah, so Worship Matters by Bob Coughlin um, that talks about, like, describing somebody's relative or describing somebody's son and being like, I love your son, I love his vibrant red hair, how he's six foot tall, and and all these things, and how if your son isn't six foot tall and have vibrant red hair, that compliment means absolutely nothing to you, right? So I could could Mm -hmm. be describing all those things, and they might sound nice, but if they're not actually accurate, it's not ascribing anything to your son. It means nothing. And the same thing would be singing truth. Um, we need to sing truth accurately about who Jesus is. Otherwise, it, we're not actually worshiping Jesus himself or ascribing worth to, to whom it's due. That's really good. That's really good. Do you have any thoughts with that, Calvin? No, I think not really. I, I think it's so hard, I think, especially nowadays. Um, for a lot of songs that are released and stuff, there are parts of them that whether or not the author intent was in this one way, but it's just not understood that way. 
um, they can be blurred almost, mm-hmm. where you have these things that are said or written or are sung about, and yeah, they might seem, oh yeah, that, I get what they're saying, but if it's not like lining up true to what Scripture has to say, then we we really should be cautious to do it. And I think our feelings often overtake what um, what is truth, and those lines get blurred so easily. I don't know if you'd yeah, I agree. And I think you're hitting into our second point now, right? So it's not just that the words have to be in the right place, they have to be right, but what, what else has to be in the right place for us to truly worship? Just it has to be lined up scripturally with it. Yeah, and, yeah. but also you're talking about our feelings. Right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So just the feelings. Like it's e- easily manipulative. Our feelings can be easily manipulative, or manipulated, excuse me. Um, and I think that we have to be cautious with also. And what controls our feelings? It's what the Bible describes as our, our heart. Our heart. heart. Yeah. yeah. So essentially your heart has to be in the right place. And there's mm-hmm. scriptural evidence for that too. Um, who, can, who can ascend the hill of the Lord, but he who has clean hands and a pure heart. And that's a, that's a psalm of worship that talks about if you're going to ascend the hill, if you're going to worship the Lord, if you're going to go up to the place where you're supposed to worship him, a man with clean hands, which we'll probably get to in a minute, and, uh, and a pure heart is the one who can worship. And so you have to have a, a correct heart in desiring to worship. Um, so r- real quick, does having a pure heart, does that mean that I have to be perfectly good with everything going on in my life right now when I come, like, for example, on a Sunday morning to worship? Does, do, can I, does I have to be like that? Calvin, I'll let you go first. And I'll add. I mean, I think there, it has to come from a place of, um, I think, repentance. So if you're in a, in a, in a place where um, there's a state of sin or a state of, of wrongness that's being done, um, that worship will never really truly be like of your whole being. It can't be, because if you're practicing and doing something that is completely contrary to what Scripture has to say, like, you don't have that pure heart. Now, if there is a place um, where there's active working, or there's an active um, fighting, there's an active part of your being um, that's pushing back at that, like, that, that's what's asked of us. Perfection cannot be had on this side of eternity, and we'll never get there but it's that um, desire and it's that pursuing um, a pure heart. Um, yeah, and they're, and they're tied together. So, I mean, what you're getting at is the clean hands part as well, right? Because when we're talking about dirty hands, we're talking about the state of sin in your life um, because there's only one way to have clean hands and there's only one way to have a pure heart. Um, by the way, what I'm referencing is Psalm 24. Uh, Psalm 24, uh, verse 3, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And then it gives a descriptor. Who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully. So there's this idea of lifting up your soul. So if you're he who doesn't desire other things above the Lord, he who doesn't desire to worship other things. So if you're holding on to something more important than the Lord, right? And and then the, the second part there. Um, who does not swear deceitfully, that's the physical part. So what Calvin's getting at is it's the heart and hand, right? It's the, it's the actions of the heart and the actions of our, us physically as well. Um, so that, that would be the, the next requirement is to have a pure heart when you come to worship. And I would say that like 
do you have to be in a, a right spot in the moment when you come to church? Like when I'm driving to church physically, do I have to be absolutely pure of mind and absolutely pure of action before I step in the door to worship? And the answer is no, because none of us are that, because mm-hmm. there's only uh, because Jesus is the only way we can approach the Father. Um, but the idea of, of in, intentionally coming to worship the Lord because you know that's what you need to do and coming coming to worship him because you know you need to repent and because you're going to repent in that moment and because you see it as a way of fulfilling uh, what the Lord has called you to do, that that is a pure heart, right? A pure heart has an idea of like a pure knowledge too of, I know who I am, I know that I'm sinful, I know that I fall in these things. And a pure heart is just as much acknowledging what the Lord says is true, agreeing with that and coming from a place of humility. Kind worship. of like what we saw last week with David, where he sinned terribly at times, but was seen as a man of pure heart because he he came to the Lord and repented of it. That's good. That's good. So what is the ultimate goal of worship? Like we're ascribing this to the Lord. Why? Why do we ascribe it to the Lord? Uh, the question in response to that, who else would we ascribe anything to? I think would be the first the first thing I would say because um, the end goal of worship uh, it's simple. What we're doing is the end goal, and it's the end goal of life. If you turn to the book of Revelation, yeah. what is the end goal of all creation? To be there worshiping the Lord. Um, does that mean that's all heaven is? Is actual sung adoration to the Lord? Not necessarily. You know, there's there's many ways to ascribe glory to the Lord besides just the vocal cords, right? But um, that is to say, the end goal of all is to bow before the Lord and say, "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the Lamb who is slain." Right? Um, so, what we're doing is the end goal, and actually, everything else we do in the service is just to contribute towards the end goal of worshiping. What everything we're doing there is it. It's not the preaching in itself. It's not the giving of our money in itself. It's not the singing in itself. It's that all of it is worship, and that is the end goal of all that we do, is describe glory to the Lord. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's kind of cool, because uh, one of the psalms we'll get to um, is Psalm 145. It's, I think it's the last one. I think uh, it's Calvin chose that weekend. one. Yeah it's, yeah, yeah, it's actually one of my favorites. Um, and uh, verse 3, uh, it says, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. So even continuing this idea of God is worthy of it, only him is deserving of it. Um, but yeah, it's absolutely, it's the end goal. Um, and everything that we do in our life should praise him. It's not just song, not just preaching. Exactly. That's good. So if everything we do is to be able to praise him, what are some ways we can use the Psalms to worship the Lord? In, in my head right now, the one that comes to mind, because we're about to be doing it uh, this week. We're, so Calvin and I are getting ready to go off to summer camp and lead the, the youth group. Well, Calvin's mostly doing it. I'm there to support. <laughs> but one of the things that we invite the leaders to do, we invite them to the green room every morning, super early in the morning. We make some coffee for them. And then we're going to sit down and we're going to open up the book of Psalms and we are going to worship and pray through the book of Psalms. So we're actually going to read it out loud and then we're going to pray in response to what we read. And we're just going to pass around the circle. And that's one way you can worship uh, with the act, the physical Psalms themselves with a Bible in your hand, 
is to open it up, read it out loud, and either make up your own melody as you're saying it, like actually sing those words to the Lord, uh, just read them out loud and then pray those words or about those words or how they relate. Um, Calvin, anything to, to add to that on how we can worship with the Psalms? Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a, like talking through them and stuff, absolutely reading through them, praying through them. I think often with scripture, that's something uh, we don't do enough of. Um, I think Psalms also gives us a very practical way of that, of throughout them, um, of just giving us these ideas of, of what worship looks like. Yeah. Um, cause it's both like mm-hmm. of our hearts, but also of our actions, um, where we have, I'm trying to think, uh, I think it's Psalm 134 talks about um, lifting up our hands. Um, trying to trying to find it. That's good, though. I, I, I totally agree. I, I think that if you're wanting to look and see how to use the Psalms, you can read the Psalms and see how the psalmist, the author, is describing whatever he is to the Lord or she is, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, the, model it. Yeah, so it is Psalm 134 mm-hmm. that, that mentions that, lift up your hands to the holy place, and that's exactly what Regent and Calvin are saying. There, there's two ways to read a lot of Scripture, descriptive and prescriptive, right? Descriptive is just describing something that was done. Prescriptive is describing something that we should do, mm-hmm. and and we should read the Psalms as prescriptive oftentimes when it comes to our worship. We see God's people lift up their hands. That's a prescription of something that we uh, should also incorporate into our worship at times as well, or dancing or clapping or mourning and lamenting, things like that are all prescriptions for our worship because we see it done and that's what God's people do. And this is a spot where I want to just take a moment to remind you too, that this is a poetic, these are like poems, they're poetic in nature. So you do have to be careful. Don't look into it. And if you're coming across like a metaphor that is saying to do something absolutely crazy, that isn't necessarily, it means it's being prescriptive with the metaphor, Yeah. but Cody is totally right. When we see them raising their hands, um, yeah, lifting up your hands is not a metaphor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's nothing poetic about that command that's happening there, right? Yeah, yeah, probably fair description. I totally agree. Awesome. So, when using these the Psalms, um, I was just gonna one of the things I'd wanted to mention too. I think you know the weekly groups when we get together and are going through the Psalm as a group as a body of Christ. That is an act of worship as well. Mm-hmm. When we come together and praying through, talking through it, growing together in community in the midst of what the Psalm says. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, I mean, Psalms even prescribe that. We talked in my group uh, this last week, we were in Psalm 16. I don't know if everybody's group talked about it, but um, the connection between Psalm 1 and Psalm 16. Psalm 1, David talks about delighting in the Word of God, but Psalm 16, he talks about delighting in the people of God. Both of those are uh, worship songs that mention delighting in the Word and delighting in the people, and that's what you're doing when you gather together in that Bible study. You're doing both of those things as an act of worship unto the Lord. So let's just ask the question, what isn't worship or is not worship? Um, I'm going to add exclusives to that, right? Great. So worship is not exclusively songs. It is not exclusively vocals or exclusively 
five-part bands, five-piece bands, or organ, or piano. Hymns, or yeah. contemporary yeah. worship, or... Yeah, it's not exclusively one type of genre. Uh, as much as your iTunes account or Spotify account might label something <laughs> as, as worship or gospel, that is not the end-all of it. Uh, what else is it not? Worship is not exclusively your emotions. It, it is not just how you feel about God. It is what is true about God. And those are completely different things. Yeah. Worship should be able to happen. True worship happens outside of how one is feeling in the moment. Yeah, that's good. And just a plug for the next one. We're going to be talking about emotions in the psalm next week. But I think that's a very extremely valuable point is the psalms engage with emotions a ton. It's a great place to engage with emotions, but you're not going to find them engaging with emotions and speaking false claims about the Lord. It's going to be ascribing to the Lord the qualities um, that are true um, in the midst of whatever they're emotionally experiencing. Yeah. And that's actually one of my favorite psalms is Psalm 103 because it's actually the opposite. It is essentially commanding your emotions to do something. A lot of people look over it, but it's it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. That is David commanding his soul to do something that he may not be in in the moment. That is him telling his soul, you will worship, you will not forget all the Lord has done for you. He's putting himself in a place of worship even when he's not feeling it in the moment, which I think goes be the, the point beyond emotion. Mm, that's good. All right, I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball here. I just thought of this <laughs> one. Um, what are some of your favorite ways for your personal worship? So I have a couple different ones. Uh, one that I have enjoyed as of late, and it was something that Paul Balash taught me in a workshop once, was ministering to the Lord. It's a really weird way to think about it, but it's in Scripture that there are saints who um, and priests who minister to the Lord through their skills and song. And so it's like literally opening up the Bible, grabbing my guitar and singing what I see there, not for anybody else, and nobody else has ever heard it. It's never been recorded. It is me just using my skills to the Lord in a hopes to bless his name and, and minister, quote unquote, in that way. Um, so that's one of my favorite ways as of, as of late. And then the other one is uh, in the car, volume up, one. singing loud, that's singing loud. One. Yeah, those are the, the worship type. Otherwise, it, it's prayer for sure. Yeah, I mean, for, for um, me, um, I've, no, I've never tried the the reading through a psalm and, and playing along with it. I'll have to do that at some point. Yeah. That's kind of cool. I wish I was talented enough. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Just do it without an instrument. Me too. Just start singing. <laughs> Just start singing. Um, no, that's super cool. But um, again, I, I'd agree. I th there's many times uh, on my drive home from Chicago from school um, that for the two and a half hours, I just crank some music um, for a long time, pretty much two hours, and just sing. Um and listen to scripture, um, being able to have that personal time. And, and one thing that was, has been kind of cool too, we have, um, a, a group called Swole, um, that Cody and I, I lead and it's just high school students and really pouring into them in worship. And it stands for, it stands for, sorry. Yes. Student worship leaders or SW little O L. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, what it is is just to pour into them and, and really teach them what is worship, what is true worship, 
um, and really to help then minister to the youth students that they are leading. Um, but something that we've done is um, we kind of do this, like, what do you call it, round? Uh, yeah, it's like chasing the song. Chasing the song. You know, yeah, I think that's probably the best way to put it. It's something my mentor did with me. Yeah, and it's, it's super cool when you have a, a group of people and you're able to um, do this thing where you, you start off with a song and then that reminds someone else of another song. But that's something that I do too, where it's just like, okay, if I've got this and where can I go from here? What song? If this song ends with talking about God's glory, what, what can I go into as another song to kind of bring them together? So again, that's that's something else, but that's that's more musical, but mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's still there. <laughs> Yeah, one of my favorites is um, to take some intentional time, because I mentioned at the beginning, to just focus on praying specifically about the Lord um, and bringing nothing else in from my life and just giving him something. I'll pick like his glory or maybe I'll pick two or three and do just like a prayer walk or just spend some time during whatever time of the day I'm doing this in. And sometimes it's using a psalm, sometimes it's just whatever comes to mind and just taking that very intentional time to worship him in that way. It's often I forget about that. That's great. And, and obviously we're mentioning a lot of songs and other spiritual things too, yeah. but I, I did just want to remind everybody. So, uh, Romans 12, one says, uh, I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God, present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Um, your life is an act of worship to the Lord. And what you do that glorifies him, that brings him honor or brings shame unto him, um, are actions of worship or or not worship, yeah. uh, malworship, yeah. misworship, misworship. I don't know. I don't know what the opposite would be. But yeah. um, and so that's a, a good encouragement as we're wrapping up here. Is um, your whole life is an act of worship as well? So just because you may not resonate with how we worship doesn't mean there aren't other ways in which you are living out a truly holy, acceptable spiritual worship unto the Lord. Yeah, that's good. And that's what I was hoping to close with is just the idea of just remember that it's just take to the Lord you know, a pure heart, clean hands, and come before him in everything, try and do that in everything that you do in your life. And that is worship. And we can, we can do that and know that, that we are worshiping the Lord in the midst of that. Yeah, and uh, to, to just cap that off, we were talking about steps you need to worship. Right, that's what Regent brought up right at the beginning. It goes without saying, but I'm gonna say it because maybe someone needs to hear it. You cannot worship the Father without knowing Jesus Himself. You cannot know the Father without knowing the Son. Um, it is impossible. Jesus is the High Priest that goes yes. to, to the Father before us, and it's our worship core value for our church. John four twenty three and twenty four. The hour is coming, and now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit. And in truth, meaning if you're a true worshiper, you not only have the, the truth of God in you, you have the spirit, and it is impossible to have the spirit unless you know Jesus, because that is the seal of our salvation. So if any of that sounds foreign to you, any of that makes you wonder, any of that makes you say, well, that's what I want, and I don't know if I have it, you better be reaching out to one of us, calling Please. us, yes. emailing us, texting us, whatever it is, and we will get you on that path real quick. Yes. I think that's going to do it for yes. us today. I think so. Thank you so much for sticking out with us as we, uh, for the first time, get to have somebody on the podcast with Tried us. Three person thing. Calvin, That's hopefully exciting. it was a good experience for oh, you. Yeah, absolutely. 
Great. Well, we've got a whole bunch of stuff coming up. Looking forward to next week. But until then, uh, just stay in the Word, be active and involved in these studies, and certainly feel free to reach out with anybody in your groups. We can be in community outside of just what we're doing in our Bible study nights or on these big events happening on Saturday. So we're going to see you then for sure, but we'd love to see even more and hear from you even more throughout the week. Okay, everybody. Thank you. You are loved. See you later. See ya. (laughs) 